everyone. Uh, apologies for the brief hiatus, uh, but we're here. We're back. And we have some things to talk about. And the first thing I want to talk about is my new co-host, Maya. She's wonderful. You'll love her. A lot of things have happened since the last episode, so let's get into it. But before we do that, a quick disclaimer statement. The Student Spin Podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper at Georgia Highlands College in Rome, Georgia. The views in this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Let's get into it. Maya. Hi. <laughs> what is your deal? No, I should ask that in a more professional way. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a senior at Georgia Highlands College. But yeah, it's, it's been fun being at Georgia Highlands so far. I'm a communications major. You know, getting involved with things like this podcasts and like the student spin team. Um, I've always liked to get involved with media in general because I like talking to people, building interpersonal relationships, talking about what's going on, current events, things in our world, having that general discourse, because I think everybody needs to, you know, get that kind of stuff off their chest, have mm. be able to have an opinion about a lot of things. So and and be able to, like, talk about it in a room of other people. Yeah. And not do it way. online. Exactly. <laughs> yes, in a healthy way, not yell at each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's any side of any sort of political spectrum. If you're talking about sensitive issues online, you always run the risk of just like presenting your argument and in a way that is not constructive to for anyone. You know. Yeah. And like when you're actually in a room with other people, or you know even on, on a zoom with other people, there's just something about like having that connection that really builds that empathy and allows more information to be exchanged. Yeah, exactly. So, it's non, non judgmental type of environment, people being able to put their thoughts out. And even if it is like judgmental, like, well, you know, e- even if there's two people who have completely different perspectives, completely yeah. different viewpoints they are going to treat each other differently if they're in the same room than if they're on facebook you know what i mean like right you're definitely right about that but i am happy to be here yeah well i'm happy to have you you said you're a communication major yes um i do plan on transferring and going more into psychology but okay Honestly, when I was um, in my first freshman year of Georgia Highlands, I was in that kind of weird warped area of, I want to do this, but this is calling more toward me. And I thought I was going to be that student that just stuck with their first pick major the entire four years, but I was very much not. I changed like three times. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) But along the way, I figured out I really liked communications and Mm. being able to see people's different perspectives and like, meet on a equal level with people like how you said you know at least like get out of my own head and experience what i wouldn't have the chance to experience before so uh would you would you like to go first uh sure i have a few topics to pick from so i'm actually gonna start with my local one that i found that is a little bit it's it's a little bit more tame Okay. Like in, the, in the middle. I, <laughs> I liked it. I picked it because it was something that I did not know was a, pre- a prevalent thing since 
I grew up in the city. I grew up in mostly Atlanta, Metro Atlanta, okay. um, Marietta area. But over here in Northwest Georgia, I just recently moved here in the summer. Um, apparently, there's a peak deer activity season that people get warned about. So over in Northwest Georgia, from like beginning to November to uh-huh. around Thanksgiving and almost, you know, November 30th, basically the duration of the month, there is a peak deer activity warning basically for people going down roads in heavy wooded areas to look out for those types of things. Now that I live out here, that is something that I've gotten a little bit more accustomed to seeing because I have seen a lot of deer since being out here and it's only been three months. It's it's a little interesting. (laughs) I really like that perspective. Uh, You said you grew up more in the city. I just always assume that it's peak deer activity because those guys will mess your car up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I don't really think about it in terms of like seasons or like peak activity or anything. I just always see deer and I just always assume that they are ready to jump in front of my car. <laughs> <laughs> you would think so. And I, I honestly think you have a point there. Like they're just here for a good time and most of the time it's not, <laughs> not good. <a> long time. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like 90% of the time it is not great but yeah, like yeah. since I I've lived in the city they don't really come near there's more people like more populations of course increased traffic because of course you know we do see the depressing display of like a deer on the side of the road every once in a while out in like 75 or 285 But out here, it's like I see them in their natural habitat. I see them next to people's houses just chilling. I'm like, okay, (laughs) what are you doing here? I always love hearing perspectives of like, you know, I'm not really from this type of area. And this is, you know, something I'm getting used to. And as someone who was raised in Northwest Georgia in the middle of nowhere, essentially, um, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, there's deer everywhere. I've, I've never thought about it from the perspective of like, yeah, obviously there's no deer in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, seeing them probably every day or at least every other day now where you live is like, I'm sure that's kind of an eye opening experience seeing some wildlife that you've never really been exposed to. So, yeah, it is a little bit of a culture shock, which yeah. is something that I would not have thought was a part of culture shock until I got up here. And it's been really nice. Well, I'm glad that you're reconnecting with nature and in wildlife. And yeah, well, I'm going to go into one of my topics. So have you heard about this case that is uh, going to the Supreme Court? Have you heard of ICWA, the Indian Child Welfare Act? No, I have not. So ICWA is Indian Child Welfare Act is a federal law. So essentially what it does is it gives tribal governments jurisdiction over whether Native American children who reside on Indian reservations can be adopted by non-Native families. So it's essentially kind of a barrier that ensures that a child who is Native American um, descent, if they are kind of going into the foster care system and they're going to be adopted by a family who is not Native American, then essentially the tribal governments have a say as to whether they think that's a good fit, essentially. Mm -hmm. And of course, the reason for that historically is because of colonialism and the um, genocide of Native American culture that's been happening for hundreds of years. So that's a, a federal law that 
exists to protect, you know, Native culture, specifically ensuring that Native American children are aware of their culture and their history and their religion and uh, everything like that. There is a family called the uh, the Brekeen family, Chad and Jennifer Brekeen. They adopted a Navajo boy in 2016, I believe. Now, here's the interesting thing. So, of course, ECLA was is still in place. So, you know, they they went through the whole process and they determined that there was not a better fit in terms of extended Native family, you know, for this child. So this white couple successfully adopted this boy. Despite ICWA existing, they were not really negatively affected by it. They were still able to adopt this child. However, they're taking the case up to the Supreme Court, citing reverse racism. And another interesting fact is that the Brackeens are being represented by Gibson Dunn, which is a firm that has historically represented big oil in cases against indigenous people. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, this is not the only case of ICWA being kind of under attack or under scrutiny. But yeah, I what 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 are your what what's your initial thoughts and opinions on on hearing all that information? I do think that ICWA was made with good intentions. I do think it's a pretty wonderful law. It's just that's a it leaves a lot of room for things to go very weird and very bad. I honestly don't have any reason to believe that they aren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart, adopting the boy Mm -hmm. and trying to give him, you know, a home, a family, a love and supportive environment. But also they're really not making things look good. I'm not sure if they're trying to, if it's intentional, but it doesn't look good with the, you know, the person that's defending them, Gibson, and (laughs) what they're trying to really prove. I feel like maybe that should be revisited and trying to like actually make sure the boy has a healthy environment. But I'm not sure where the reverse racism is coming from. Their argument is that since this boy is a different race Mm -hmm. than them, then he is Native American and they're white. And there's this law that essentially could prevent a white family from adopting a native child that the white family is being a victim of racism because a native family would be given preference over them. That's that's the reverse racism argument is this law exists to try to it's not even to try to get kids into a native home. It's simply saying that the tribal leaders, the tribal government has jurisdiction in that decision. Yeah. Um, It's not even necessarily saying a native child is, has to go to a native family. It's not saying that it's just saying that the tribal community, the government, the tribal government, which is a, you know, which are sovereign nations within the United States have the ability to review the case and to have some influence over, you know, whether the kid goes to, a non-native family, essentially. It's not so much of a of a reverse racism thing, but it's more so like, honestly, I don't know the family. They could be culturally aware, very culturally understanding, and they could have done their research on Native American nations and cultures, what they do, their practices, their beliefs, and could be ready to receive the boy. But 
whether or not the boy will be able to like properly get that learning, that understanding, that knowledge from people that aren't from that nation. There's really no way to quantify if a family is willing to do that, essentially. I mean, you just kind of have to trust them, you know, whether they plan on, you know, raising the child to, you know, be aware of their heritage or whether they plan to raise the child to know nothing about their heritage and, you know, essentially just kind of like erase all of that, which has been the history of how white people have treated uh, Native Americans, again, the entire time that we've been on this land. I don't think it's wrong at all for ICWA to exist and to defend against those things, because like you said, it has been happening. It has happened and, you know, more than likely will happen again. Hopefully not, but they're trying to protect against that. They're trying to protect their children against that. I feel like instead of focusing more on claiming reverse racism, they should be focusing on the fact that they were gifted a child. They were gifted that opportunity to, you know, be adopted parents, to be in that child's life. I just, especially since it's, you know, uh, Native American Heritage Month and everything, uh, in, and, you know, this is a big story and, and it's kind of unfolding. I wanted people to be aware of it and I wanted people to keep an eye on it because, you know, if ICWA is overturned, that is going to change for yeah. worse, in my opinion. Um, research, look into it, see what's going on with it. But yeah, I would hope that it doesn't get overturned. Do you want to talk really quickly, just kind of maybe end off talking about maybe five minutes or so about the elections? Sure. This has been about like the second time I voted since I was able to, since I got of age to start voting. Of course, I like that I got my sticker. Honestly, I don't know why it surprises me every every time election year comes around, but all of Georgia was completely red. The only places that were blue were like, Metro Atlanta, I think like one county on top of it, Macon and one county on the bottom of it. What I have a hard time wrapping my head around is that, you know, the the Stacey Abrams and Kemp, no comparison, you know, obviously Kemp won basically by a landslide. Yeah. Um, but then you have Walker and Warnock and they're neck and neck. I mean, technically, uh, I think according to the last numbers that I saw, Warnock was winning by like 10,000 votes or something, uh, but did not get 50%. So they're going into a runoff election. I want to know why there's such a stalemate for, you know, Warnock and Walker, but for Stacey Abrams, both times that she ran, it was just no chance. Yeah. And that's maybe some more research I need to do, like why that dynamic is the way it is. I was surprised to see that uh, Herschel Walker had so much of a big that he was so far along that it was so close because, of course, I think almost every person in Georgia, maybe outside of Georgia, has seen those ads running for like the past three months almost. Mm -hmm. And like almost every slander campaign they could pull put on him, basically. And like even those campaigns made me start to research some of the stuff that he was about, like. Is this man really, you know, doing this stuff that everybody claims or are y'all just really not trying to get him in office for a very important and pertinent reason that we're not seeing? Um, And I did see that he was not only backed by Trump, which probably contributed a lot to his following, how much votes he got because he had that prevalent support. 
And of course, Georgia has a history of very much being in support of Trump. So I'm with you a little bit on that. I can't understand why it was such a close cut with them and why it was an absolute like clear down the line slit between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. I feel like there's just a lot of people that are very loyal to Brian Kemp and want to keep him there for obvious reasons, which I will not refute because everybody does have those opinions. And he has done some good things for Georgia. I think when I came out of the voting center, there was a news channel that was interviewing and they asked me, of course, like what swayed my opinions for voting and um, what made me choose the people that I did choose, which Mm -hmm. was a little eye opening. Of course, I knew who I was choosing because of what they've done and what, you know, they've explained that they're trying to go towards. But I don't think a lot of people put very much thought into that. They kind of just go for you know, family beliefs, what their family is going towards or what other people are been going towards, like peer influences. I mean, yeah, based on the options that are presented to me in the voting booth time and time and time and time and time and time again, I'm not going to put a lot of thought into, well, I'm just not going to vote for the Republican because nothing about that platform aligns with my personal beliefs, ideologies, anything like that. So I guess I'm part of the problem <laughs> in terms of, of you know, from my personal perspective, like if there is a Republican and a Democrat, well, the Republican is already not going to get my vote. Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt about Joe Biden, Donald Trump. I don't like either of them, but I I don't like one more. <laughs> Less or two evils. It's always it always comes down to that. <laughs> yeah. I am not a registered Democrat. I'm a registered independent. I would love to vote for, you know, a Green Party candidate. But the way that the system is currently, I would essentially be throwing my vote away, in in my opinion. The ideal scenario would be ranked voting. You rank your candidates. Number one choice, number two choice, number three choice. For instance, instead of voting for one person, I would rank Green Party Democratic Party, Republican Party. Actually, I wouldn't even. (laughs) Yeah, that wouldn't even be a choice. My vote would still count, even though as the system, as the two party system exists presently, voting for a Green Party or a Libertarian Party or a Socialist or an Independent is not going to really count at the end of the day. But if every state had ranked choice voting, that would change, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know what the chances are for ranked choice voting to be the norm in all states. I don't know what the chances are of that happening in my lifetime, but I hope it does happen and it happens soon and we can get some sort of, you know, some sort of representation that looks like the country actually looks like. Well, thank you, Amaya, for joining me and um I hope we do it again real soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I look forward to talking with you again. I want to thank Amaya again for joining the team and having a great conversation with me. And I hope that you enjoyed listening as well. 
I also wanted to mention in light of uh, the conversation that I had with Amaya regarding the Indian Child Welfare Act, there is going to be a speaker series at the Paulding campus and on Zoom by Mary Crow about indigenous environment preservation. Um, so again, considering that it's uh, Native American Heritage Month, uh, I wanted to let everyone know about this event. Again, that is going to be on Paulding campus, but um, there is a Zoom option available. So look at your uh, academic calendar and you'll see links to uh, join that Zoom call. And again, that's November 15th, 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, the speaker is Mary Crow, and they're talking about indigenous environment preservation. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a good one. Thank you.